Yeah, it's it's very like derelict, you know. What's that spot over there? It's got 800 people in line, <laughs> all between the ages of like 12 and 20. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got a sick pastrami, Dad, but we can't wait in line for that. That's my problem with it. I'm like, like I know I can't get it toasted, but like, let me tell you something. When you have a metric ton of meat and the bread's not toasted, that can't hold a sandwich. That can't hold a sandwich. My voice, it, it's not fully developed yet, but it's very raw. You know, there's a lot to work with. Any day now, those balls will drop and it'll be a whole new joy. Clap on three. One. Welcome to the Two Reels Podcast, where we watch a new movie and pick an unexpected and perfect pairing to go along with it. I'm here with my two co-hosts. First, the man who could have been the cross-dressing lead singer for his brother's band, Joey BK. What's going on? What's going on? I hope we keep that in the, the cold open. That's going to be hard to explain. Either way, either way, I think it works. And coming to us from New York, having a nice afternoon beer, my man Rod. What's going on, Rod? Hi, Davey. So great to be here. Thank you for not making me the cross-dressing lead singer for once in my little life. Somebody <laughs> somebody already took that seat, you know? Yeah, someone already took it. Gentrified. Yeah. Again, unexpected pairings. That's what this podcast <laughs> is all about. <laughs> It's all about the unexpected pairing. And first, let's start with the movie that we watched this week. So I think, Rod, are you introducing it or Joey? No, I'm going to introduce this one. Uh, this week, we watched In the Heights, which just came out on HBO Max and at a theater near you. Yes. It's the, a musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda, directed by John M. Chu. You know him well from Crazy Rich Asians. And it stars Anthony Ramos, Melissa Barrera, Leslie Grace, and Corey Hawkins. Uh, you know, some people say it didn't do well enough in the box office. Forgetting that, a global pandemic's on. But what did you guys think of this movie? I I liked it. I was into it. I'm a fan of. I'm a big fan of good musicals. I think they're hard to do. I think walking out of In the Heights, it really reminded me a good musical a good stage to screen musical is really 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 hard to do i think in the heights was a great time i think for a lot of people who saw it in theaters it, there's a good chance it was their first post-pandemic movie screening potentially and i think it's a good sort of good post-pandemic screening it's big it's hollywood it feels shiny it's about like people being in close proximity, sweating. I mean, it's a good, it's good for that. My thing within the Heights and my thing with stage to screen musicals in general is that there's certain sort of bits of like shallowness or two dimensionality that you're willing to accept in a room when people are in front of you on a stage. You can sort of dismiss it because these people are, your suspension of disbelief is already so high because it has to be. So you can forgive storytelling like weaknesses for the song and dance that you're seeing in front of you. On a screen, for me, it's a little bit harder to just constantly forgive those blind spots the way mm. I do in a theater. I just need more. I need to understand what's happening. And Nights has some weaknesses in the story for me. It's impossible, though, to not have a great time. I had a great time, got very emotional, and I liked it. I'll say that. I liked it. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, it was really fun, really entertaining. I choked up a little bit. I laughed a little mm -hmm. bit. Had fun the whole time through. But yeah, there were a lot of moments. I don't watch that many musicals that are movies. There are moments where I was like, oh, we're just not going to explain this. Or we're just going <laughs> to... This is just happening now, and that's an okay thing. Uh, and yeah, we've come to a point where when we watch movies, we really need explanations. And plot holes pop out a lot more. And I think you just have to accept when you're watching In the Heights, this is a musical. It's not about having an airtight story. It's about it looking beautiful, sounding beautiful, 
all the people are beautiful everything is fun if you're trying to figure out every little thing you're not going to enjoy it it's just not the right not the right film for you yeah i think i'm the most musical agnostic of the group and uh the thing that's always tough for me is just like the sheen of it all especially movie musicals kind of feels like you know the jokes always like singing every line like how was your day today like that kind of shit but i think <laughs> in the, that's that voice, you need your brother that to voice that. right there there yeah. it is that's what that's what uh, you're talking about i'm gonna put some auto-tune on this thing in the edit it's gonna sound beautiful don't worry <laughs> But I think there is, for this story specifically, like there's a power in just a celebration of an in immigrant neighborhood and the immigrant story in a way when so much of Hollywood is trauma porn around the immigrant story. So like there, it was parts of it were just like, oh, this is so sheeny. It's so like glittery, like, we're really not going to have any conflict like real deep tricky conflict here but also there's something nice about like let me take a bath in this beautiful warm <laughs> sweet thing that's also telling us about the latinx experience in new york once upon a time in a faraway land called washington heights so it doesn't disappear. Washington Heights! Lights up on Washington Heights. Up at the break of day, I wake up and I got this little punk I gotta chase away. Pop the grate at the crack of dawn. Sing while I wipe down the awning. Hey, y'all. Uh, good morning. I want to know what you guys... What do you guys think is the conflict of this film? Like, what is the sort of, like, what is at stake in in the film what is the thing that has to turn for you to get a happy ending it feels like the film is calibrated for that kind of tempo my hard thing was figuring out what's at stake what is the concern there's a lot of different concerns they're all given like a tap there's in my opinion a kind of ill-advised bit about the dreamers like the dreamer act like you know, again, I have not seen this on stage. I don't know for sure if that was part of the original show or if that's a very sort of like 2021, you know, contempo political context to like place it in. But what do you guys think is like, what's the what's the conflict in In the Heights? I think uh, for me watching it, it reminded me of so many movies that have a pretty simple plot, which is like, I don't want to be home anymore. I want to go search for myself. And I go search for myself and realize that all along what I've been searching for is home. And that's like, there are 8 million movies that are about that and stories that are told about that. And it kind of seems like there's three or four different people who are going through that in this movie. And pretty much the three or four main characters are all going through that. And so I think the conflict is like, we're from this place, we love this place, we care about this place and the people here, but this is where our family came. This was their journey to get here. What is our journey and where do we go next? And staying here and having this be our place is stagnant. So what is the next best option without abandoning who we are? And I think that's the conflict basically everybody seems to be facing in, in the movie. Yeah, and I think the reason it's tricky for you to like land on that when you're watching it is that I think the real the closest thing to a protagonist is Washington Heights right like the story is basically this neighborhood is changing how are we going to hold on to it and one of the characters decides she's going to hold on to it by going to Stanford and being able to fix the whole immigration issue which respect i hope that works out the <laughs> the other that's called being 18 the, yeah exactly. dream big dream big dream but big. like for her to do that her dad has to sell his store which creates more gentrification in the neighborhood the other guy decides i'm gonna fix it by staying here and having a you know immigrant run guy from the neighborhood who understands the neighborhood store that like lasts and stays around I guess the the reason it felt it was hard to unscramble though is that there's not more of like a 
there's no ability for anyone to be anything but nice to each other in right. this movie. So no one, when he's leaving, no one's like, damn, like, fuck you, man. You're selling out. I think there would be a, it would be really interesting to add a little bit of interpersonal conflict to this musical just to be like, so you could get deeper into like, what does it mean to protect the neighborhood? And I think instead it's kind of, I mean, it's told as like a legend to a bunch of kids on a Mm -hmm. mythical beach. Like it is definitely like an allegory for, or like a fairy tale instead of being something else. I think you're right. I think there's something sort of interesting about the way that, you know, I think there's like an inherent transience to the immigrant experience in which like your home or the place you built as your home is born out of movement, this constant sense of movement. And so it's interesting how so much of the conflict, it's like you were saying, Davey, like it's about sort of like staying, but so much of the conflict is about whether it's about the people who want to leave. You know, there's three people who one who's left two who want to leave one wants to go downtown the other wants to wants to leave america entirely and you know without spoiling it i won't say like where they all end up but this sort of like conflict about the idea of leaving but also like you were saying joey like this inability for anyone to like hold anyone else accountable in some way or to make them feel bad about this idea i think there's something interesting about how like I think there's something more tense about that idea and I feel like the musical is so uninterested in exploring it in like a certain way of like of that idea of we we are here because we moved like moved in like a mm-hmm. more physical sense like not just like moved from place to place but like literally moved um but yeah like you said there's no desire to make anybody really angry at anyone else I think within the heights there was just a tension missing there is sort of this like this continuing tension being built around this like heat wave or blackout that's coming that to me feels sort of anticlimactic because the film doesn't really not not enough not enough complex things are worked out as a result of this heat wave and we can talk about that more when we talk about our pairing because i do think that this idea of like heat and weather and space being this like instigator is really interesting but I don't know. There was just a lot of moments in In the Heights where I was like, everything's here, but it needs more. It needs something to sort of like deepen it or get or like weight it down or something. Hold it down. Well, I think the the DACA thing is a perfect example of that. And I think there's there's a scene with Jimmy Smith's too where he shows the business card and says, I bought this from an Irish guy. This neighborhood used to be all Irish, which is like a fascinating idea that then is not really looked at. Right. And I think there's like, it's bullshit to ask a movie to be everything, which is what the conversation about it has become also. But like, yes, if you're going to, if you're going to get into gentrification and the Latinx community and what this means, it's hard to just hit every buzzword and not get deeper about like, not even a solution, but just like a messy problem. Again, when we talk about the other pairing, like we don't need movies to give us solutions, but we need to at least get into like what the other options are. What's the points that we get stuck upon? What does it mean to remember the DR and dream of it forever and then be dragged back to your home? Like, is it your personal responsibility or is it everyone collectively? Like, all of these questions are brought up, but not really wrestled with as much as just here are some simple answers for these people, and then it's all going to be fun. You well, know? I think that's, in my opinion, one of the good things about the movie in some ways is if you can just let that stuff go and accept that you're not, we, we didn't come for that, it might show up, and then when it shows up, you want more of it. But if you can just remember, like, I didn't come here for a super deep dive into immigration or into identity. I came here for like a beautiful musical. And if you even think about Hamilton, which, you know, is Lin-Manuel's other really famous project, you could talk about, is it about whether Alexander Hamilton was a really good guy or a bad guy? And it doesn't really provide answers for that. Or did, where did they go right? Where did they go wrong? 
a lot of those questions aren't answered, but they're posed by the musical. But what's really fun about it is it's an amazing, beautiful musical that's very unique, and the characters are incredible, and the way that they interact is incredible, and it's not so much about diving deep into issues. And and it, I do think it dives deeper into issues than this did. But this movie, I think, is just like, hey, you know, we're talking about this as a place where Dominicans live, used to be lived in by the Irish. Chew on that, audience, and we don't have to dive deeper, mm-hmm. but, like, just realize that that's the case. And what does it mean for somebody who was raised here by immigrant parents to feel the pressure to have to stay versus leave? And you can explore that on your own time. We're just presenting that issue to you. And now we're going to go on to our next song. And that's, I think, more what they're doing is like giving you some things to think about, but they're not, they'll give you the food, but they're not going to chew on it for you, you know? Yeah. And I think the Lin-Manuel Miranda of it all is very important. Like, I think he, again, as like a two online, very liberal person, there are parts of his stuff that annoys me because it does feel more surface level. But I think it's also important to remember, like, I'm not his audience, you know? He is making (laughs) Broadway musicals. Broadway's audience are rich people from lower Manhattan or the Upper East Side or the Upper West Side who he has managed to convince that immigrants are real people with human experiences. Like, that is a fucking powerful thing. It's not... He is not the person who's going to get us <laughs> to the other side right. of this. He's not yeah. a radical, but he is like his politics are awesome. And he's convinced a lot of rich, white Hillary supporters that like immigrants matter. And I think that well is a legacy in itself, even if it's not the radical legacy of this other movie we watched. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, he's not Spike Lee. And he sure isn't Spike Lee. And that might yeah. be a good transition into our pairing because we have some stuff to say about someone like Spike Lee. So, Rod, tell us what you chose for our pairing. So for our pairing, I wanted to think about a film that isn't a musical but uses music in a really intentional way and to me solves some of the problems that I have with musicals that I'll, I'll break try to break down but i chose the 1989 masterpiece one of the great american films one of the great american films maybe spike lee's greatest film but without question one of the best films america has made do the right thing wake up wake up wake up wake up up you wake up you wake up you wake up you wake This is Mr. Senior Love Daddy, your voice of choice. The world's only 12-hour strong man on the air. Here on We Love Radio 108 FM. The last on your dial, but first in your hearts. And that's the truth, Ruth. Here I am. Am I here? You know it. It, you know. This is Mr. Senior Love Daddy doing the nasty to your ears, your ears to the nasty. Eyes only play the platters that matter, the matters they platter. And that's the Tarut root. Do the Right Thing is spectacular. It is It is just a phenomenal work of really, I hate the use of the word necessary, but necessary art, it feels humiliatingly relevant in 2021. It was embarrassingly ahead of its time, like in 1989. Like you're talking about like a few years before the LA race riot. You basically have seen... Like, you want to talk about tension, stakes, like, what is, like, conflict? Like, the conflict at the core of Do the Right Thing is not, like, metaphorical, you know? Like, the immigrant experience is not a metaphorical experience. It's a real experience, obviously. Um, That is one of the things I think Lin-Manuel does well in, not just in The Heights, but almost better in Hamilton, in the way that the casting of people of color as our founding fathers just, like, subtly re-indicates that America is built on the back of immigrants like they were immigrants as well um but what's interesting about do the right thing is like the conflict remains sadly forever relevant but the film has to me the same exact amount of energy the same exact amount of color and life it's sheen without the plastic in like sort of um 
like implication of sheen it's sheen in terms of color vivaciousness life like breathing like real breathing and it's not a musical obviously like i wouldn't i feel like it's like really contrarian take to be like do the right thing counts as a musical i think there's a lot of movies that people don't think of as musicals that i would maybe consider a musical i think like magic mike's a musical like flash dance is a musical this movie's not a musical but the way that music works in the film is really foundational really foundational um the opening credits of Do the Right Thing, which are iconic, legendary, Rosie Perez literally like setting this movie on fire before it's even started with a dance sequence that is literally inspired by Bye Bye Birdie, like inspired by a musical. And just the use of Public Enemies Fight the Power, um, just the way the music cues all through it. There's like a, there's a montage or sort of like a um, wordless scene where um, Can't Stand It by Steel plus plays with about the heat you just see like all the heat yep. like that is like a musical sequence like there's just the musical and mu- musicalness and movement of the film i think make it really interesting to pair with a musical aside from the other connections of this is a very hot day in a diverse neighborhood in new york and there's a lot of tensions about america's americanness and this neighborhood's neighborhoodness and just kind of like who the neighborhood's for who the neighborhood's for and the idea of the neighborhood being in flux and like populating a lot of different people what is the tension of that what's the implication of that like there's just a way in which i think holding these two films in a in a sort of like in both hands illuminates something interesting about the other my thing about musicals is this like when it comes to like stage music like when it comes to stage musicals put on screen i don't like musicals where the story serves the songs like the story is built around the songs to like hold the songs up it's like you have the songs first and then you pad the story to fill it right that's like the jukebox musical like you have an artist catalog um you have like an album or whatever and you create the story around it i like musicals where the songs serve the story similarly do the right thing the songs are strictly serving the story so it's sort of like even without being a musical it is like the dna of my ideal musical in in some way and it's a fucking like unbelievable film masterpiece it really really is it really is so something that uh i mean i thought the connection was great because i also think it's a movie I mean, it could be called Bed-Stuy instead of Do the Right Thing. Just like In the Heights could be called In the Heights. You know, like, it is a movie shot, you know, between Lexington and Quincy. It's like heart and soul is Bed-Stuy. It's everything besides the Korean grocery and Sal's Pizzeria are real buildings in that neighborhood. Like, it is of the neighborhood on a crowded, hot day like so perfectly like captures the space I also thought like it feels like a play you know in a way that in kind of a similar way that uh dog day afternoon feels like a play where it's like this is all happening in this one place you start to know the whole cast of characters but also the background players because it's such a small cast so self-contained like I think this movie is just ingenious in that way because like i it's within the space and i think uh one thing that annoyed me about in the heights is we keep cutting to this beautiful beach in the dominican republic and i'm sure it ends up there's a payoff that kind of explains what beach we're at actually but i'm sure in the play on the broadway play that payoff makes more sense because it's just a drawn on backdrop. That's the beach, you know? And mm-hmm. then you learn that, that, oh, that drawn on backdrop is actually in the bodega. And I think there's some desire because it's a, you know, big budget movie that like, we're actually going to this beautiful beach and you're gonna be transported. And we don't care if the logic, you know, disappears because of that. And do the right thing has no interest in leaving this block they know this block is enough the story exists there the entire story of fucking race in america exists there and like it doesn't need to get bigger no one needs to step on the side of a building or go downtown or do anything it's like we could tell the whole story right here in a way that's like so confident because the block is also the beach somehow right yeah (laughs) all at the same time you know 
Yeah. It feels like these movies, you could put one into like a box and spit it out with a bunch of different filters and it could be the other movie. Like they really are so similar in a lot of ways. Some of the differences that I noticed that I think are really interesting is they both take place in small spaces, but In the Heights feels really big, but not very powerful. Whereas Do the Right mm-hmm. Thing doesn't feel big, but feels extremely powerful. And then also they're both about this heat wave that they're dealing with. But In the Heights, the heat doesn't even feel that uncomfortable because you're just smiling and bouncing along the whole time. Do the right thing. It's colorful. There's a lot of sheen. It's beautiful, but it's not comfortable. The whole movie is pretty uncomfortable just because you can tell everybody's sweating, everybody's miserable. People are drinking beer, and I'm just thinking about how that beer is going from cold to hot in like 35 seconds, and it's probably disgusting. Like, The heat is a very, I think, a much more tangible element in Do the Right Thing than it actually is in The Heights, where they have like clocks showing you the upcoming blackout, and they're constantly talking about the heat. You still hardly notice the heat in, in The Heights because you're so distracted by all the glitter and fun. Whereas in Do the Right Thing, the heat is pretty central the whole time. It's hard not to sweat while you're watching it. So I thought it was a really, really good pairing and uh, pretty pretty intense difference in movies for them being so similar. Definitely. Yeah. I think, again, this is such a hard standard to hold a modern movie yeah. musical to. But I, uh, obviously, Siskel and Ebert, the gods, love this movie <laughs> so much. They had... And, uh, Siskel had something, he said it was a spiritual documentary that shows racial joy, hatred, and confusion at every turn. And I think that's like Mm. the key difference is In the Heights shows racial joy, which is like sadly still revolutionary in 2021, but it's afraid to show hatred or confusion because I think the moment that happens, oh, everyone's gonna be upset. It's gonna make people uncomfortable. And Spike Lee just, it's so powerful that in 1989, he was already, in his second movie, he was already confident enough to be like, I don't give a shit if you're uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm not going to no, make No, he this wants like you to pat. be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to make it simple. I'm not going to make it pat. I'm going to make a absolutely lived-in story where everything, it's it moves doesn't feel long it moves the whole time it's not like preaching at you it's just like this is like real life it's not comfortable and fucking like live in it for a second Uh, and i think that was so powerful yeah and it's not preaching at you because i don't think it really takes one stance which i think is the other great thing about do the right thing is yeah the credits it's giving you two stances Mm -hmm. it's i mean it's it's forcing you to look at a lot of issues without telling you how to feel uh it's its characters are telling you how they feel, but all of the characters are, are pretty flawed in their own ways, no matter who you're looking at. And you're seeing why it's difficult for everybody. Like there's nobody out there who seems to have it super easy and do the right thing. So it's forcing you to think, it's challenging you as a viewer, it's making you explore these issues deeply, but it's not giving you one way to think. And yeah, that's why I think it's yeah. really, really cool and really powerful is you don't walk away with a closed book. Like if anything, you walk away feeling like you have to go read 20 more things just to get a better idea of how you should feel because it's confusing at the end. Yeah. I mean, can you, can you imagine a character in a film in 2021 throwing that garbage can? No. So that's, that's the thing that was so illuminated watching do the right thing again for like the hundredth time, but it's been a while since I'd seen it. Like, I think that In the Heights and the entire Lin-Manuel project is such a product of this political moment where there is this, like, deep obsession with being seen. I want to see myself. I want people want to see themselves. And I understand, like, the value of that, this idea of being seen. Do the Right Thing is a film about the idea of being heard, right? It's not Mm. just about the sort of, like, like, sort of one-dimensional surface-level idea of just being seen, representation, matters, you know, like... You know, we're recording this on Juneteenth, like a day after they have made Juneteenth like an official national holiday while simultaneously rejecting critical race theory as part of like an American curriculum. That is being seen, not being heard. You know, In the Heights is 
obsessed with this with this idea that being seen will save you in a certain way and so much of the controversy around the film has been about not everyone feeling seen but the film's deeply uninterested in anyone being heard in any real way and like I'm not saying it has to be like do the right thing but I think that these films come at two different moments in which like the political priority is so oppositionally different being hurt being seen is inherently like a surface level concept like it's sort of like it's crazy to go backwards from being heard to being seen right like to be heard is to be understood to be seen is to be like witness like that only gets you so it's such like an obama legacy you know this it just feels like the lin-manuel project is somehow like a obama era residue or something it just feels so like we're having more of these conversations but they feel less felt or less like heard in a real way and you're watching do the right thing it feels unnervingly relevant and also deeper and you feel it just feels to me that the hollywood projects that are purporting to do more are simultaneously doing it beyond less like somehow just deeply beyond less you know like yeah and well, it's troubling. less risky it's troubling I mean, there's way less well, risk yeah and i was gonna say one of the obviously the risk part is spike lee's brave as hell and can make a movie like this that most people would be afraid about every misstep i also think there is a radical part of do the right thing that's just that you do see black joy on screen and like people when you go to bed in movies people are on edge because everyone here is dangerous and you know anyone could snap at any point and in do the right thing there's one full bad guy you know like the son of sal is dangerous as hell john tutorial yeah yeah don tutorial's character and the cops are dangerous they show up and the first time you're like oh this might go horribly wrong and it doesn't and the next time it does and like that is another thing that people still are struggling with is like how do you place a movie in a real place and (laughs) demonstrate real non-white characters not in a way that white people need to like understand perfectly yeah i mean I think the comfortability thing is is really big and not every movie and not every play has to approach issues the same way and it's okay to have different approaches and force people to think about things from a different perspective but do the right thing is it's very uncomfortable in the sense that it's just like it's unknown to so many people who are watching it because it was so well renowned and people don't even know what they're getting into and they don't know what to expect Whereas in the Heights is you can just bathe in it. You don't even have to think about it if you don't want to. And that's yeah, for the, luxury the, of that. the the rich white moms will love Hamilton because they feel cool because there's some rap and mm-hmm. th- there's a lot of black people. So they feel cultural. And guess what I saw the other day? But I'm guessing that those same moms did not love Do the Right Thing when it came out in 1989. They probably didn't even see it. And if they did yep. see it, they're like it was loud and intense. Fight the power! Fight the power! Fight the power! We've got to fight the power that beats. Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me. Yes, he's straight out racist, the sucker. What I tell you about that noise? What I tell you about that pitch? What the fuck are you dead up? Are you? Fuck you! We want the black people on that motherfucking wall of fame. It's interesting the way that like rap music is a point of contention and conflict and do the right thing and like culturally outer textually rap music is the sort of like the kind of like cherry on top of the Lin-Manuel project this ability to like make rap as a form like acceptable Mm -hmm. or something and I think it's just interesting to watch these two films and be like rap as a form literally just like a form um, is also a political body in and of itself where this pizza owner is so deeply offended by the playing of rap music and associates rap music with a certain type of like life that he rejects but the appropriation of rap music in broadway in 2021 which we should say is like 30 something years later but like nevertheless like it's just interesting it tells you so just like the the difference between what's happening in the text in do the right thing and outside the text of in the heights tells you everything that do the right thing is intrinsically about 
somehow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Also, there there were columnists writing that this was a dangerous movie that shouldn't come out because black audiences are going to riot once they see it in the theaters, you know? Like, that's how dangerous that movie was then. If that movie came out today, it would lead Fox News. Like, that movie would still be dangerous today for more than half the population. Probably more dangerous today. Yeah, and uh, Spike Lee has some quote from 2014 where he says he thought those were, like, outrageous, awful things. And he says, I don't remember people saying – People are going to come out of the theaters killing people after they watch an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Right. And I think, like, the idea that he has created a film that feels that real and within experience and stuff that literally white columnists see this film and say, oh, shit, this just exposed. It, like, pulled off the blindfold of race relations within America in a way that's going to lead to violence is just, like, the greatest fucking testament you could get to a film (laughs) and should we talk about the oscar stuff a little bit because i think it also reveals some of what we're talking about uh and you guys probably know more about at least the oscars than me but i know do the right thing was not nominated for best picture but driving miss daisy won that year which is a movie that in a softer approach way also approaches race relations and 30 years later Black Klansman's nominated and loses to The Green Book, which is also a book about a black and a white person or a movie about a black and a white person in a car together. So it's, I think, very upsetting yes. to him. But uh, that is the perfect example of, like, serve it softer and nicer and people will understand it, but make it big and scary and a lot of people run from it and critique it. So I'll, I'll pass that to you guys now, but that's my thoughts on it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's in... It is, like yet another example of how you know it's like everyone's always like the oscars are like so white so white like da da da. it's actually just like to me more devastating how irrelevant the oscars are interested in being in retrospect like why would you not want to award the most controversial film of a year of the year when you know that's going to be the film that like lasts from that year you know it's just sort of like it's embarrassing for like the canon of best pictures that do the right thing was not nominated and famously kim basinger when she was reading the best picture nominees that year went off script to sort of to lambast the fact that of these five nominees the most relevant film of the bunch was not nominated which we stand forever like literally i just think that (laughs) you know like that is a that's a real moment like that's a real moment where it's like it's like almost inside baseball where it's like an a-list star talking to the industry it's like that's what you want to see at the oscars in some way and i think it's embarrassing i think it's embarrassing that it took spike lee until three years ago like you were saying davy to even win an oscar like it's just embarrassing it's crazy it's crazy crazy, you know and i think uh part of the reason why is because he makes (laughs) dangerous films that aren't easy and I, th- I think to bring it back to In the Heights, like Hamilton at least was a musical that Mike Pence could like make a show of walking out of, you know, like even if it's for a like kind of making a point of like we are white and we reject this. There was at least like some danger to it at the Broadway time. I don't think In the Heights ever takes even that risk. It'll win and some I think Oscars that's, though. Like, yeah like that's the problem is like they there's no sal in in the heights we don't even meet the character who bought the dry cleaning place you know like there's no desire to show the messy stew that gentrification creates and how that builds tension instead it's a celebration of the dying neighborhood but like show us you know, the, I guarantee you there's a hipster in Washington Heights who could wear a Larry Bird shirt and scuff up a Air Force One today. Like, give us that character even, mm-hmm. even if it's just for a second. Like, mm-hmm. have a little bit of antagonism towards the people who are actually changing the neighborhood. Or don't touch it at all. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. You know, that's <laughs> also an option. Just don't touch it at all. Yeah, well, great pairing. Uh, both movies, really good, really fun to watch and force us to think about the other one. I'm going to see In the Heights again tonight in theaters this time because despite our critique it's a fucking blast so i'm gonna go do it again it's the best in theaters we should say our critique is the critique the film's enjoyable and it's you will have a great time in theaters davy it's how everything should be seen we should say ideally how everything should be seen i think so i think hollywood davy is your stimulus package he will go to your movie so keep making them i've been to everyone (laughs) so far i've seen so many movies in theaters uh, so with that, should we jump into the categories? Let's go. I think so. Awesome. Well, let's start with Freaky Friday. Uh, do either of you guys have a, a good swap for these movies? I think we should switch places. I got a swap. Yeah. So Anthony Ramos has already stepped into Spike Lee's shoes. He plays Mars Blackman on the Netflix adaptation of She's Gotta Have It. So... I would be into seeing them flipped. I would be interested in seeing Spike Lee sing. And I'd be interested in Anthony Ramos acting without singing. I think he's a really good screen presence. He has a sort of effortless swag. I kind of, I just like fuck with him on screen. So I would Freaky Friday those two, personally. I like that. Uh, I honestly, I tried to do a Rosie Perez one, but she's too perfect and do the right thing. That movie doesn't work without her. So uh, I'm going to do a neighborhood Freaky Friday. I want a do the right thing in Washington Heights and a Bed-Stuy musical. Let's switch them up. Yes. Love it. (laughs) Yes. I like that. I don't have one, so let's move on to Buy Sell. Derek, you better yell! me the money! What are you guys buying? What are you guys selling? Joe, we'll start with you. Yeah, I am buying Anthony Ramos. And uh, he actually is in the new Blind Spotting show, Rod. And he pl- doesn't sing. There is some song and dance going on in the show. But he is just a overly flirtatious friend of the main character. And he has that swag you're talking about. So I think he's going to be great. And then I we didn't talk about Corey Hawkins, but... He's got a fucking voice, and uh, he's in a TV show starring Lupita Nyong'o coming out soon. So I'm buying all the Corey Hawkins stock. Uh, terms of selling, I'm selling ice cream truck stock. Both <laughs> Spike Lee and Lin Manuel Miranda came out team snow cone, and that's got to mean something. So I'm fuck ice cream trucks. All right. Yeah, Joey, ours are really similar. I also am buying um, Anthony Ramos' stock. Um, And funny because Davi Diggs, who's in Hamilton, was in the blind spotting film. So there's just this, like, Lynn Miranda touch on that project, I guess. Um, I'm not buying Corey Hawkins' stock. I don't know why. He did play Dre in Straight Outta Compton, if y'all remember. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not 100% on it, so I'm going to let you keep that stock. But I'm buying... (laughs) I'm buying AC stock because climate change been real for a while. If it was that rough in 89, now's the time for me to go big on, on AC. So I'm buying like a lot of AC stock. You selling anything? I'm not selling anything. I'm not selling one thing. I think everything I bought, I'm a hundred percent keeping. Okay. Uh, I, Air conditioning is the first thing I have, Rod, so I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> We're in sync today. And, oh, my God. Uh, and I live in Texas. I understand the value of air conditioning. You got to buy up that shit right now. Correct. Uh, I'm buying some Melissa Barrera st- stock from uh, In the Heights. She is gorgeous, very charming, and just an incredible dancer. She's really, really good. So I don't have too much more to dive in on on her, but she's just great. Jendall uh, Kenner. She looks like a Kendall Jenner bizarro situation. I'm in. Uh, and then I'm buying some more Spike Lee stock because I think he's just going to keep fighting till he gets more Oscar recognition. And uh, I'm also buying stock in koozies because 
that would really help with all the warm beer that I was worried about in these movies. Just give these guys some <laughs> koozies. Sell them for 50 cents on the sidewalk. Amazon droning <laughs> a bunch of koozies. Oh, yeah, or selling them on the side. I like that. Good business. And then uh, I am selling warm beer because it's just terrible, and there's too much of it. And especially in Do the Right Thing, it just it actually makes me sick when I watch it. All right, let's jump into the Two Reels extended universe here. Let's talk about uh, any fun ideas, any creations you guys have that could drive the business forward. Bullshit! We do not make B pictures here at Capitol. Let's put a stop to that rumor right now. What you got, Rod? I got, okay, I'm thinking let's just keep a conservative 10-film franchise. Softy V, <laughs> Piragua, Dawn of Justice, and it starts an entire Softy Agua universe where there's Softy Hive, there's Agua Hive, and it's just sort of a battle to the end of the world between the people who are diehard Softies and the people who are diehard Aguas. What do we think? I love that. I'm fucking in on that. <laughs> I'm absolutely in. Ten films. If we could make it, if we could make it kind of like interactive, and we get some snow cones in the theater, there you go. That'd be big for me too. I'm there a big go. soft you. serve guy, so I'm on that side of the fence. You're on the softy <laughs> side. Yeah. Fair. Fair. You might get canceled for that, Dave. I don't. You know. might get canceled, but softies they they it's never delicious. don't hit right. What yeah, do I tell you guys don't. every week? My goal is to get canceled. So whatever yeah. it takes, <laughs> this will do that it. That means you made it, baby. That means you <laughs> exactly. Made it. Um, for mine. I think Samuel Jackson's Mr. Senor Love Daddy offers up a compelling model of the ultra local radio. Like I would love just every block to have their own radio station with the guy having a glass window on the block. I want to hear my, it's kind of like next door meets Spotify. I want music that really plays out from there, but also I want to hear the gossip, you know? I want to know when so-and-so's out with their dog so I could not go out and not have that awkward conversation. I want all of this hyper, hyper local radio. And so Speak Studios, it might be time for a pivot. Let's go to hyper local, <laughs> one podcast per block. Per block. Make it happen. <laughs> I am so big on that. Like I was obsessed with the idea of somebody just being narrating like the entire yep. shit happening on your block i live for that that's the best uh mine's a little bit different than ones we've done in the past but as you guys know netflix is opening up its own merch store so or maybe i don't know if you guys know that but it's big topic these days i want to open a do the right thing specific merch store we've talked about the outfits we've talked about the clothing i think you could sell items from this movie and remakes of items from this movie for a lot of money today it's it's time for uh the do the right thing merch to make a comeback everyone looks so fresh everyone looks so insane the outfits like, are so fucking good so fucking good literally mookie's dodgers jersey you could open that store on fairfax right next to john and Vinny's. man <laughs> the hype beast will come I It'll be and called. that'll buy the right thing and, uh, yeah. <laughs> lawsuit coming in three exactly <laughs> that'll also hit your cancellation into hyperspeed like yeah. not you opening a do the right thing merch store <laughs> no it'll be great i already have i'm wearing my radio rahim t-shirt as we speak so period uh, that's right all right let's move on to uh perfect pairings this was uh or i guess alternate pairings and let me try the remix. I don't have any. This was a fucking great pairing. I can't think of anything that compares. I mean, I had a couple musicals, but they don't live up. How about you guys? I had two different routes to go here. I think if we wanted to have a much more positive conversation about In the Heights, pairing it with Traffic or Sicario <laughs> would be a good way to just show that Sicario. there is... <laughs> there is power to not making the most trauma-laden immigrant border story possible. Right. And, like, it's nice to see joy in an immigrant community. Um, if we want to just go with extremely hot day and violence happening, Romeo plus Juliet. Let's get the fucking <laughs> Claire Danes Leo version, because that is about some heat. 
and the bad things that happen when it gets too hot. Whew, that that's, a, that's a sick. really good one. Yeah. That movie is sick. <laughs> are you guys are you guys sitting down? I'm actually not kidding. Bitch, I watched that film for the first time ever two weeks ago. Wow. What? Can you believe oh it's God. I want it on record, it's so good. It's, it's insane. so <laughs> so so good the scene where leo and claire danes are, are they make eyes and literally fall instantly love through the fish tank i was like this i was movie about to is... say the same thing yeah it's, it's like it's fire i loved it so much moments in history the meat cute will never be topped through a fucking fish tank come on it's <laughs> like the best and it's the best like interpretation of love at first sight it's just so 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 good that one's a really really good one my mine is like a little obvious which is why i didn't do it but i thought west side story west side story just mm. sort of has like a really you know it's a better musical in so many ways because it is like famously one of has some of the most iconic and perfect choreography ever put on stage or screen and just has this sort of uptown thing going it does have a lot it has some brown face obviously going on natalie wood i believe is playing someone puerto rican i don't know but i don't i don't want to touch that because she did famously (laughs) die um at the hand of potentially two actors in hollywood though that is just a conspiracy theory um that was the only one i could i could think of in terms of in terms of musicals i would comment on that murder but uh i'm pretty close to the neighborhood and let me tell you people have been killed for less in hollywood so (laughs) they're all good people and we love them and that scene in once upon a time in hollywood is not based on fact Mm -hmm. (laughs) no one was killed on a boat there was no harpooning (laughs) 